Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Domers. This is Season 2, Episode 24 of the Small Scale Life Podcast, and I have a great interview lined up for you today. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you will have a break from my monologues with this podcast. I'm sure there is much rejoicing with that news. No, don't tell me. I really don't want to know. I'll just... I'll just think that you guys love my monologues. But this is great. In this episode, I'm interviewing a husband, dad teacher, small business owner, bodybuilder, trainer, and urban gardener. He's a fellow kindred spirit from down in Texas. This gentleman's name is Michael Bell. He's not only a mountain of muscle, but he also owns and operates Half Acre Farm. Inspired by some of my heroes, including Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, Curtis Stone, JM40A, Michael is carving out his organic footprint in a quiet spot six miles from downtown Dallas. It's pretty cool talking with Michael. I learned a lot from him. Whether it is starting your own business or getting fit, I think there's something for everyone in the next two podcasts with Michael. In case you're new to Small Scale Life, we are dedicated to intentional Before we begin, in case you're new to Small Scale Life, we are dedicated to intentional living through learning, doing, and growing. We are focused on gardening, healthy living, and having adventures along the way. Now, we are going to, before we begin the podcast, let's hear from a few friends of Small Scale Life. Before we begin the podcast, let's hear from a new friend of Small Scale Life. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some exciting news for you today. Almost immediately after completing my interview with Michael Bell, I connected with a gentleman in Australia named Michael Hingsington. We connected through Instagram. He's a co-founder of AussieFlameWeeders.com, where they have an offer for you. Aussie Flame Weeders make stainless steel flame weeder manifolds. They are making manifold set available this month, and they expect to start shipping them all by the start of November. The manifold set will contain custom manifolds to suit 30-inch beds, five stainless steel German-made burners that can be removed to be cleaned, changed, or replaced, LPG equipment to suit a standard propane bottle, and a flint lighter. To help promote this deal, Aussie Flame Weeders are offering all customers who purchase a custom manifold set the chance to win a cool bot. As you'll hear in my interview with Michael Bell, both tools are really a great way to kick off your urban market or urban farm or market garden and take it up a serious notch. For more information, please check out AussieFlameWeeders.com today. I will have a link in the show notes and tell Mick that you heard about his company from Small Scale Life. I have to tell you that I'm really excited that I connected both Michael Bell and Michael Hingston over the past week. Both have been great to work with, and even more exciting is that I actually connected a guy who needed some equipment to improve his urban farm with a guy across the world who's selling this kind of equipment. It's pretty cool, and making those connections gets me really excited. I'm going to look into doing more of this at Small Scale Life, so stay tuned. I've got some ideas, and if you have products that you want to offer to our audience, contact me on the Contact Us page here at Small Scale Life. Now, on to my interview with Michael Bell. 
All right, today I have a special guest. Michael Bell is a bodybuilder, elementary teacher, and an urban farmer. I'm looking forward to getting to know him and talking with him about his business. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast, Michael. Tell us about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, pretty much you summed up my life uh, in that three-second intro. Sure. Um, I'm 37 years old. I have a wife, uh, three kids. I live uh, in a suburb outside of Dallas, Texas called Mesquite. And I teach in a suburb south of Dallas called Duncanville. Mm. I teach elementary PE, and um, I've done it for about 15 uh, This is my 15th year, I think, teaching. Wow. And so, yeah, that's about it. And then about two years ago, um, I stumbled across a YouTube video um, by a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. And... Um, kind of just fell in love with what he was saying and and d- dove into his stuff and you know I drive about 30 minutes to work one way so I and I hate I'm, I don't hate music but I'm just tired of the radio music oh, yeah, so man. On, I, I listen to YouTube constantly mm-hmm. and uh so I listen to it and on the way to work for about a week straight and and uh the the thing that hit home with me was uh you know in today's society you can make money off of anything you want and you know anything that you enjoy you can make money off of because of the podcast and basically the cell phone is a revolutionized business yeah totally man so you know and i well i love teaching um like we were talking about before we we started this this recording yeah you know your ambitions change in life and and i love teaching but there's something else out there for me to do and i said the heck with it and you know I've always had a garden, and I said, I want to make money farming. And I really took what Gary V said to heart. And, you know, one of his biggest messages is go do shit. Yes, like, absolutely. Just go do it. Do it. Don't yep. plan. Don't, don't sit down and make a plan every day and think about it and, and, and all this stuff. Just go do. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> a, week after, a week after I found him, I bought a half acre, which is, you know, 20,000 square feet of, uh, land and off to the races. I went, wow, that was a quick turnaround. <laughs> That's a really quick turnaround. I know, you know, thinking about things and, Oh, here's how I'm going to go about it and get my business model, my plan. No, you're just going out there and doing it. <laughs> yeah, oh. it was, uh, I, I had, I had knowledge of kind of what I wanted uh-huh. to do from Curtis Stone. Oh yeah. You know, so, I'm a huge fan of Curtis. You know, we've emailed a couple of times, and he's the nicest guy in the world. Help totally anybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, I watched his YouTube stuff for a long time, and so I had an idea. I didn't go into it and just bought land and said, "Okay, what do I do next?" I kind of had yep. in my mind what I wanted to do because I originally thought, "Could I do it out of my backyard?" Mm-hmm. Before, you know, I, I had thoughts because I've always had a garden. Sure. So, and I, I'm. I'm an entrepreneur. I have a personal training business that I train people and I always come up with ways to make money. And, uh, so I was thinking, well, how can I make money with this little bitty backyard? Then I found Curtis's stuff and I got to thinking. And so it just evolved. And then I heard Gary and then, you know, so I had a plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but you didn't, you didn't spend five years developing it. It was okay. I've got, I've got it. This is what I want to do. Boom. Let's do it. So, so was it the Smurf it up video that yes. got you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I've watched that probably 
At least a hundred times. So in case any of the listeners don't know what that is, Gary Vee was doing a TED Talk, and he talked about making money in this new economy with the internet. And if you have a passion, if you have something that just gets you so excited, I mean, even like Smurfs, if you Smurf it up, you can make, if you Smurf it up, you can make $70,000 a year just Smurfing it up, just being the Smurf guy, you know, and... uh yeah, I know. I've I've been totally listening to Gary V too and getting excited about things as well. I my I think my wife is a little nervous about it. <laughs> oh, my wife! My wife tells me all the time that I'm going to go to jail one day for stalking Gary V. Because if he ever comes to Dallas, oh yeah, I don't care. I don't care what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't care if it's my sister's wedding, other than maybe my parents' funeral. I will drop every single thing that I'm doing, and I will be waiting at the airport because. I, I will find him. I, I swear to God, I will find him, shake his hand, and just say thank you. Yeah, totally. I mean, he he's really inspirational. Have you uh, have you read or listened to his books? Uh, yeah, I've I've listened to two of his books: the Thank You Economy, which I think is the best business book ever written. Oh, I haven't read gotten that one yet. Okay, that's good. I'm going to yeah, add that to my list. So it, it's it's the one that got and, and he'll tell you. You know, well, he won't tell me, but he says in his videos and and his stuff that the thank you economy is his best book he ever wrote mm. but it didn't be it wasn't as good as it didn't get the sales because he didn't go on a book tour and uh. and really do it up like he did the other ones sure but i know you've heard the the story about how he took um he sent that guy a jersey and uh for buying one case of some wine mm-hmm. and have you heard that story i don't know if i've heard that one so he has a wine library, you know, Yep, yep. and he, he decided that he was going to start thanking his customers for being customers. So he sends, he gets on Twitter, he finds the guy that bought the one case of wine, it finds his handle, follows him for like two weeks, finds out he's a huge Jay Cutler fan of the Chicago Bears quarterback. No, pathetic guy. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's probably the only fan Jay Cutler has. Yeah, anyway, I know. He's, he's a huge fan. Tweets about him all the time. Sad. So Gary Vee goes into the... So sad. The, <laughs> yeah. As a Green go, Bay go fan, the, I'm going to just the, dump on that all day long. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not a great guy. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. why you would like him. But no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. So Gary uh, Gary goes in and tells his, his thank you department... Send him a sign. Go to eBay, find a signed Jay Cutler jersey, and send it to him. And just put on the note, "Thank you for, you know, buying from Wine Libraries. We appreciate your business." So they do it, and Gary V's like, "This is going to be a huge hit. You know, this is going to be right. huge. This guy's going to call back and say, i 'I'm never buying wine from anybody else.' Thank right, you. right. Well, like a month passes, and nobody, like he doesn't get a letter, a thank you, a call, nothing." So Gary Vee's like, man, this guy's a jerk. I can't believe he didn't, you know, respond. And about a week later, about five weeks later, uh, one of his people comes and gets him and says, hey, Gary, we got, you remember that guy we sent the Jay Cutler jersey to? And he goes, yeah, he finally responded. And the guy goes, no, but we got this letter in the mail. And the letter says, hey, my friend, whatever his name was, bought some wine off of you and you sent him a Jay Cutler jersey. And I thought that was really cool. I want to place an order for 10 cases of some sort of wine. Oh my gosh. At the bottom, it goes, P.S. I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the guys, so, you know, the guys obviously trying to get tickets or whatever, but it just shows, it just goes to, you know, prove his point 
the guy may not have made a big deal out of it to Gary, but he told all of his friends. Right. His friend just made, you know, because it was a lot of, it was a very expensive wine and he ordered 10 cases of it. Wow. So Gary made his money back probably Plus times some. 10. Yeah. You know, and all he did was spend $275 on a jersey. And he wow. goes, you don't have to buy them expensive things. Send them a happy birthday. You know, if you're a small business, send them a happy birthday text. Know their birthday. Know their anniversary. Mm-hmm. Give them, you know, in my case, I did that. I gave um, a free basket to this one lady and I only had like nine customers when I did this, Sure, but I gave her a basket for free and said, Hey, happy anniversary. Because I worked with her. I knew it was her wedding anniversary. Cool. Said, she, she went to give me a $20 bill, which is what I charge. I said, no, you know, you, you keep it. Happy anniversary. And she thought it was the biggest thing in the world. That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, it's really interesting because, um, my wife's working in a business and they were just start, they're starting to get this they're starting to do this and she's worked for other companies where they got this and and it really does set you apart when you're the client and you come in and that guy remembers hey this is what i this is what i drink i drink diet coke and i you know or i like coffee with this kind of creamer and they remembered my son goes to winona and it's his birthday and you know all these different things it just it sets you apart you know and it, yeah. it just is so much different than, uh, here comes widget number one. And I expect to make a $5,000, you know, blah off of him. And all right, next one, <laughs> you know, yep. so yep. different. I really, I really believe that in the future of especially small business mm-hmm. is getting to know your customers more than anybody else and treating them like friends and family yep. instead of customers. Yeah. I, I honestly believe that because so many people, are starting small businesses, yeah, like pool, pool cleaning services or yard, you know, services or, you know, f- you know, small urban farmers like me. I mean, the the more you are connected with your customers, the better chance they're going to buy from you because of you and not your not your product. Right, that's true, and and it's something I didn't realize when I was a consultant. You know, a consultant in the rail business selling to BNSF or UP or something like that. I mean. I had good rapport with those people. I didn't realize it at the time. I was young and dumb, and you know, just flying at the seat with the seat in my pants. Um, but it is—it's a rapport thing, and it's a—it's—it's uh, it's familiarity with it. And uh, Curtis Stone talks about that all the time too. And I know since you follow him, he talks about that social capital, you know, and people exactly. coming by the—I'm sure you have it where people come by your lot your farm and say, what is going on over there? I got to talk to that. What is going on? You know, and they stop and they talk to you. Does that happen? Well, it would if my lot was somewhere where people saw it. Uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, there's advantages to that too. There's like last night was, like we were talking about before that we started. Last night was amazing. I went out at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and was on my farm till two in the morning um, doing some planting and just odd and in stuff that I haven't had time to do the last few days because of work and family and stuff. Sure. And I lit a fire off to the side. Um, I couldn't see any stars because I'm six miles from downtown Dallas and the sure. lights, you know, I got the stars, but it was literally like I was out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, that's and cool. I'm, I'm a half a mile from interstate 20, which is the main interstate that runs east and west through Dallas. Wow. That's and, cool, man. But, but my, my lot is down a dirt road. Um, and it's surrounded by 87 other half-acre lots that were never developed for one reason or another. It's even zoned non-residential, so no one can build on there. Wow. Okay. And, um, you know, I have one lot on the west side of me that 
I, I, I tried to find the owner for, you know, three months trying to buy that one too. Sure. Never could find them. Huh. Um, and then I have the dirt road in the front of my lot. On the back of my lot is another half acre lot that I can't find the owner to. And then the west side of my lot is a little bitty 150 person um, church. Hmm. Wow. And me and the preacher get along great. He's an older gentleman. So he was out cutting down trees about a month after I bought my land. So I was like, you know what? I need to get in and get with this guy. I'm going to go help him. So I just quit what I was doing, went over there and, you know, helped him out. And and he was very appreciative. And it paid off for me nowadays because now I use their water. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that's where we're going to go here in a second is talk about doing <laughs> this out in a, you know, not in a wasteland, but out in a remote area where you bought this lot. I'm assuming there's no water on it, no well. You can't put a well in. So where does the water come from? So that that explains some of that mystery. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I mean, we can get into it right now. Sure. Um, so this church is exactly 130 feet from my fence line. Huh. And my farm, my, my beds start on my fence line. Like, I don't waste an inch of it. So um, what... I honestly was hauling water to my lot when I first started because I was only farming about 2,000 square feet because that's all I'd gotten cleared off. Sure. Um, last winter and fall, I mean, last winter and spring. So it wasn't that big a deal because Texas was getting really good rain at that time. So I only had to water maybe four or five times. So it wasn't a big deal. And then the summer came, my dad rented a, or I rented a tractor with a front end loader on it. Oh, wow. And my dad come down. And in eight hours, he cleared 12,000 square feet. Oosh. Just basically put the blade down and just went. Because the, the guy that owned it before me, he had cut down a bunch of trees and then just let, he had a massive heart attack. Oh. And he couldn't work it anymore. So mm. he just left the lot. And for 10 years, you know, stuff had grown up. The grass was six feet tall. The, mm-hmm. the, you know, I had little trees of, you know, that I had to cut down. And so he cleared all of that off, pushed it to the very, very back of my property. Wow. And um, my farm went up six times in about eight hours. Wow. So so did he, was there some kind of bl- uh, brush hog on it or something like that? Were you just cutting everything out of there or just put the... No, he, he just put the blade down. Oh, I mean, wow. Not the blade, the, uh, the, the front end loader. Yeah. And just pushed. Wow. Sweet. You know. Yeah, and I, I I kept looking at it. I was like, hey, Dad, you're taking my topsoil. Raise the blade, <laughs> raise the bucket up a little bit, buddy. That's the good shit right there. <laughs> yeah, he looked at you and he said, do you want this done or not? <laughs> yeah, basically, he's like, come on, son, you're, you're killing me. Here. Yeah. Like, Sorry. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> he, he cleared it all back, and I realized then, I was like, I can't, I can't hand water this, yeah. this much space. Mm-hmm. So I walked over to the preacher, over to the church one Wednesday night when I was working, and I knocked on the door or went in the door after church was over with and told him what I wanted to do. And I said, I'll pay your water bill, you know, if I can run a water hose when I need the water. Wow. I said, I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay you $100 right now for earnest money, you know, just to prove I'm not, you know, going to screw you out of any money or anything. I just have to have water. Right. And he goes, I don't have a problem with that. My water bill is $35 a month. Hmm. But, I mean, they only flush the toilets on Wednesdays and Sundays. Right, right. Nobody, nobody takes a shower. They don't cook. Hmm. So They don't have a sprinkler system for their lawn or anything like that? No, because it's a pretty big lot. Oh, okay. 
and this is a really small church. I don't know that the church has a ton of money to really keep up with the sprinkler system. And in a way, I felt like I was helping them out because I'm saving them $35 a month. Right. It's your donation, so, man. Exactly. <laughs> so it worked out perfectly. I ran a water hose and, you know, from then on, I spray, you know, I still had to hand water, but at least it was coming out of a water hose. Yeah. And not a two-gallon two water pail. So, so how do you do it now? Do you have sprinkler? Do you have like a sprinkler or drip tape, or what do you what do you run now? I, I run. Um, I'll be honest with you. Right now, I'm, I have the uh, the nozzle on the end of it that sprays. Oh, okay. And it's great water pressure. I can shoot. I can water a bed in about three minutes. Huh. Wow. And and then this goes back to the. You know, I told you the guy he just let the just walked away from it. Yep. For ten years, everything that grew on my property died, decomposed, and went into the soil. Yeah. So I have you probably got... the best soil in all of Dallas. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. It, it, it it soaks up so much moisture. It has so much organic material in it that I didn't have water for it, uh, three days ago. Friday was the first day it's rained in 35 days wow and i and it's been over you know 95 to 100 all 35 days huh and i didn't water uh my i have 500 running feet of green beans mm-hmm. that i put in the ground just to have something in the ground yeah and i didn't water them one time wow really that's pretty yep. impressive and they're just yep. dropping nitrogen right in that soil too that's awesome that's great. Yeah, I, I actually have beans grow like I have beans that I'll start picking on probably Thursday, Friday of next week. Yeah, I'm hoping I get some before the frost comes, like we were talking about right before the yeah. show. So <laughs> Yeah, so I'm extremely lucky that my soil is is really that good. The only thing I really have to do is keep the very top inch moist and wet when I plant. Mm-hmm. You know, when I plant like my carrots, you know, I gotta keep them nice and moist, so I gotta water them every day. Right. Uh, you know, I plant some lettuce from seed. Got to keep those moist every day. Oh, yeah. Are you doing the Salanova? Are you doing Salanova down there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. I do uh, I do that by transplants mostly. Okay. I, I, I transplant those, but um, I do red Russian kale from uh, from seed, of course. I do um, pea shoots. Actually, I do pea shoots in the ground because I don't have room to do them at my house or hmm. I don't have infrastructure to do pea shoots like they do microgreens out of, out of the trays. Sure. So I literally just put like nine rows of pea shoots or, you know, sugar snap peas yep. in a 30-inch bed about 10 feet long. Every Monday or Tuesday, I plant a new 10 feet. And for every eight to nine days, I harvest a 10-foot swath, and that's enough to fill my salad green bags with. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've been growing peas here. The rabbits really liked them, and I had to replace uh, replace my fence. You're on Instagram, so you've seen that little story. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, do you are you dealing with pests like that too down there, or what's happening? How do you keep the the deer out or the rabbits out? Um, I, I don't. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's because there's so much like wildlife and stuff for those rabbits to eat without having to eat my stuff. Okay, or if they, I I, I don't know. They just don't eat any of my food, <laughs> any well, of my plants. That's I have great. No idea why. But I see them, you know, hop across the dirt road when I'm coming down the dirt road, or sure. you know, hop. You know, I see them. They just don't eat. They just don't eat. I guess it's because there's so much abundant food on those hmm. in that area that they don't have to. 
Yeah, I, here in uh, I'm in the north sub. Uh, well, north Minneapolis. So it's uh, it's lawns and some flower beds, and then oh hey, there's an oasis of peas growing in in this raised bed. So that's a great spot for them to <laughs> yeah. to have a you know buffet all all you can eat buffet. So mm, yeah, frustrating. But uh, well, that's great. I, that's great. I was I was really worried about it when I was cleaning it up because I'd see so many rabbits and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. Sure. And it just never has become a problem. Now, if I go over there tomorrow and my entire farm's eating the rabbits, I'm going to be pissed off because you asked me that question. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> It'll be my fault. <laughs> yeah, you jinxed Darn me. Minnesota guy. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is what is your farm called? Uh, Half Acre Farm. Okay. Yeah, I just linked to that on Instagram. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been posting a whole lot and being a follower of Gary, that's like number one rule is content, pictures, videos, but my farm's so ugly right now that I'm ashamed to even post. Mm. I just don't, I mean, it's productive. It makes money. Sure. But I don't have the time to make it pretty and making it pretty doesn't, you know, doesn't make me money right now. So, yep. I, I, I'm very particular about where I take my pictures and the angle that I take it at, but I'm I'm getting better at it. I'm, I told myself last week I was going to start doing more, so I will. I'm looking at the pictures you got, and it, it doesn't look ugly to me. I mean, it looks pretty good, I got to say. So you know. I'm a great photographer. Then. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dallas Half Acre Farms is your handle on Instagram. Now everybody's going to follow you. So <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'll, there you go. I'm, I have you have my word. I'll start posting more stuff. There you go. Good looking sweet banana peppers too. That's awesome. Yeah, my now, wife. Actually, I took that. I took that picture yesterday. Okay. And those are those are sweet banana peppers I planted in March. Oof. Okay. Okay. They look good. And they they just don't stop. I I'm not going to be mad when they die because they've given me more more than I ever thought I could get out of a sweet banana plants before. Sure. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I was going to try to, uh, well, this was a transition year for me, you know, a whole different story, but I was looking for those. I didn't get them in the ground. I didn't plant them this year, so I didn't do jalapenos. I didn't do banana peppers. My uh, my family was a little mad at me that I didn't get the banana peppers in because I was going to try to pickle those, but uh, I'll, 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 I'll get them I next a, year. I have a lady that does that. She buys all of my extra sweet banana pickers. Uh, peppers and she pickles them wow does she do the dilly beans too with your green beans uh, i don't know hmm i don't know um actually i've never met her her daughter picks them up from me oh okay and she's like oh mama's gonna be so happy <laughs> and I, I told her i said i want a jar one of these days and so yeah but apparently they make great they're great for pickling awesome that's great so so you started this what what year did you start your farm. Uh, April of 16. Okay. Wow. Pretty, pr- you're only a year and a half into it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, been a crazy nonstop go. Um, no, it's, uh, I refer back to Gary. I'm pushing and pulling at the same time. I'm working my butt off every single day that I can, but this is a 10, you know, 10 years from now, I'm hoping I can do this full time. Oh yeah. That's great. It's good to have that uh, that timeline and that that drive, you know, because it, yeah, it, it can be tough. If it, I wasn't mean, for he- if it wasn't for health insurance, I would quit tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. 
and do this full time. But with three kids, I got to have health insurance. And here in Texas, it would be about eight hundred dollars a month. Oof, brutal. Yeah, that's a lot of selling so over. <laughs> yeah, so if if I quit teaching, I'm negative eight hundred dollars in the hole before I even get back to being able to pay, pay my house payment and all that other stuff. You know? Yep. Yep. No, I totally understand as a uh, as a railroad crossing inspector guy. I know that I know what you're talking about. So you know you gotta you can do things in your spare time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I love it. You know, people people joke with me and rag on me because I work so hard on it, and I tell them it's not work. Like this is what I want to do. If I, if, if I won the lottery tomorrow and paid off every bill I had, I would still go to my farm and work at ten o'clock at night till three in the morning. <laughs> Swear to God, I would. I think my wife is nervous. I'll do that. <laughs> well, uh, we've we've talked a little bit about starting your farm, how you started, the name of it, everything, and what it's like. Tell us a little bit about your model, because I know uh, you were just before we started you were talking about teaching uh or speaking to um to a conference and getting people excited about it i'm really kind of interested in your model what what are you doing who are you selling produce to tell us a little bit about your model um as much as you can anyway not get about any any of your trade secrets (laughs) no i don't i don't have any secrets man every I, i i told people at the seminar that i spoke at on saturday I have invented nothing. Nothing is mine. <laughs> I've just stole stuff from Curtis. I've stole stuff from JM Fortier, from Ray Curtis up at Rose Creek. Like I steal my stuff from everybody. So sure. nothing's proprietary. But growing wise, the actual farm, I model as much as I can off of Curtis. Okay. Up in up up in Canada. Thirty inch beds, high intensity. The only thing I do different is I don't don't not grow something because it doesn't make me as much money like i grow broccoli okay you know because you know and he'll, he'll never grow broccoli because it's it takes too long and it does take it doesn't a while. get priced per pound so the farm is a, is basically the same type 30 inch beds mine are 25 foot long instead of 50 and then one thing i got from jm and then um are you familiar with singing frogs farm out in california i've heard of it yep they do no-till which mm-hmm. I, I'm going. I'm really trying to do no-till. Sure. Because my soil is so good to start with, I don't want to mess it up. Right, and you want to bring all um, those seeds to the surface that are just laying there, you know. Yeah, and and I know my soil's good because I can take a piece of rebar mm-hmm. and with my hand shove it in the ground a foot. Wow, that's great. Down there, that's even with, that's really good because I know Jack T- Spirko talks about. You know, a foot or so down, he's hitting hard pan. You know that or that a yeah. rock under there. So wow, that's yep. great. So that that's the main reason why I don't till. You know, I'm I'm gonna do try to do no till, is I want to keep my soil as good as it is, and then um, I'm gonna put in a couple of hedgerows. Sure. Which is which is a big thing for uh, you know Singing Frogs Farm. I can't think of the guy's name, but if any of your listeners haven't heard of Singing Frogs Farm, go to YouTube. And he does. He goes all over like Curtis does, giving seminars and stuff. I learned so much from that guy. Um, I, I think it so was gonna, wasn't it the spring Curtis went out there or Diego Footer went out there and they were in Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a couple of hedgerows probably in about a month uh, if I can get you know get the money together to buy the plants and everything um, because they're gonna be about 80 feet long. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna do. Uh, basically every 50 feet, I'm going to try to put in a hedgerow. Wow. Cool. So, um, and then 
I guess you know that's the farm model. Sure. That uh, that I follow that I'm going to try to follow that I have in my mind anyway. And then the business model, I go com- completely different from what most people do. I, I run. I call it a CSA. Mm-hmm. Only because it's baskets. Like I deliver a weekly basket to people. Okay. And you know, in that weekly basket, they get whatever I'm growing at the time. You know, normal CSA stuff. Yep. The diff- the main difference is I don't take people's money up front. Like you don't pay me five hundred dollars for the next twenty four weeks. Hmm. Um, it, it, it's I don't know if it's the way I was raised or if I don't if I can't sleep at night because I owe people stuff or I just I can't handle that. I don't like the pressure. So I, um, I, I sell a basket for 20 bucks. So I take them with their basket. They give me a 20 and we're good. If for some reason they need two baskets one week. Okay. No big deal. If they need one basket, if they don't need a basket, they're going out of town. Okay. Huh. No big deal. You know, that's an interesting I'm, concept. Yeah. I'm flexible. Yeah. And, and people say 20 bucks and I'm like, well, yeah, it's $20. You know, it's only 20 bucks. But if, you know, my goal this, this fall and winter is to sell 10 baskets a week. Well, that's $200. Well, that's $800 a month of income off of something that I love doing. And I can put that $800 a month because hopefully there's no IRS people listening. I ain't paying taxes on that $800. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. So, you know, it's straight cash. You know, I do, you know, go pay off debt with it. Yeah. You know, save it, whatever. Sure. So $800 extra, you know, doesn't, it is a lot, but it doesn't sound like a lot when you're saying twenty dollars a basket. Yeah, yeah, right. So but, how but much it adds up? Yeah, how much? What do you? What usually gets in the? I mean, what's whatever you're growing, but is there like a poundage so, or is there a feel? Is it just kind of by feel? How do you know? It's 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 completely by feel. Um, I always tell my I tell customers and the same ten people were with me during the summer and the spring, so they, you know, they kind of get it. Mm-hmm. I tell them if you go to Whole Foods. And spend twenty dollars, you'll get the the same amount, if not more, from me than you would at Whole Foods. Mm, okay, and it's organic. Probably, it's probably it's, more, and it's not covered with pesticides. It's not, you know, got all the weird stuff on it. I'm assuming, right? Nope. Yep. I honestly, dude, the only thing that I put on any of my plants or in my soil is worm castings. That I actually have the worms myself. Oh wow! Okay. And and then I do a little bit of Epsom salt yep. on some of my plants, like you know, uh, tomatoes and, and peppers. peppers and stuff yep. like that. Yep. That's the only thing that I ever put hmm. in the ground or on my plants. Yeah. So, so for example, this summer, people would get two or three uh, straight neck squash, two or three cucumbers, uh, a, zip, a one gallon Ziploc bag of salad mix. And the salad mix would be whatever the mix was that I had to pick that week. Sure. Which the customers really like because the salad always changed. Some weeks yep. it would have mazuna in it, mm. which would give it a little spice. The other times it would have more red Russian kale. Other times it'd have more beet greens. So, so it would have the squash, the cucumbers, the salad mix, have four or five big, nice, pretty beets. Um, later on in the summer, it would have uh, a small... Ziploc bag full of okra, <laughs> and then of course it would have cherry tomatoes. Very cool. Usually, about, usually about a pint of cherry tomatoes, and there were different varieties. I grew the black cherries, um, I grew the the sweet one hundreds. So even the ter- even the cherry tomatoes had a different 
taste to them. Oh, that's cool. And you're giving them a variety, and the oh. cherries go fast. Yep. I mean, and you get a lot off a of plant, I know. So right. that's really good. That's really smart. Really oh, smart. And then I had the pe- sweet banana peppers and bell peppers. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's a so, nice. And then on- onions until they ran out. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I always have trouble with onions. I got to tell you, <laughs> I have not been able to go, grow good onions up here. I don't know what it is. Do Maybe you, it's me, but do you try to grow the big bulb ones? Yeah, yeah. See, I don't. I don't. I go with the little white, the little white golf ball size. Okay. Stuff. I don't know the exact name of them, mm-hmm. but I found that most people down here enjoy the greens more than they do the onions. Okay. Hmm. The actual green part of the. I guess, I think some people call them chives. Yeah. 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 And and they love them. Huh. So, and they're in the ground maybe 45, 60 days. Oh, that's cool. Maybe I'll have to so, adjust my the stuff I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, try growing the, the smaller ones because they're yeah. they're really easy to grow for me. Sure, sure. Huh. Well, that's not, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, that's a, they're getting a variety. You know, I know what happens up here uh, when, when you have your boxes. I mean, you get the... The early spring salad mixes and spinach and that kind of kale. And then they get into the summer stuff, you know, with, with cucumbers and beans and probably some uh, whatever's left that's, you know, when the heat picks up, then the salad goes away. Then tomatoes and the, you know, the, you know, maybe some melons. And then and then in fall, you know, you get some of the greens again. And then you get the root stuff, the root vegetables, potatoes and, you know, some of the other root things that uh, grow up here. So... That's kind of how the it's it's kind of a seasonal thing here, but that, I like I like what you're doing down there. That sounds like a real good, a real good system you got. Well, with uh, with Texas with Dallas, the the weather in Dallas, I should unless we get a freak, you know, freak cold snap early, I should be able to run you know my tomatoes that I planted the first week of August. I replanted for fall tomatoes. Hmm. I should get tomatoes through Thanksgiving. Wow, that's great. That's cool. So and, nice. and the main reason why. I like tomatoes is because in salad mixed together because they go together. Yep. So a lot of people buy my baskets just, I say a lot, I only have 10 customers, but the people that do buy it always say, am I getting salad mix and tomatoes this week? And I honestly <laughs> think if I didn't have those two together, I wouldn't sell anything. Huh. They wouldn't even buy the baskets. They buy strictly for the salad mix and the, and the tomatoes. So where, where did your customers come from? Just word of mouth kind of thing? <laughs> Well, I'm a, I'm a teacher yeah. and, you know, I teach with basically 85 people, 65 to 70 of them are between the age of 30 and 60 and all women. Oh yeah. So there's your market right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that age group's concerned about what they eat. Yep. Most are usually, you know, either trying not to gain weight or trying to lose weight. Yep. Um, it's convenient because I go to school every day anyway. Right. So yeah, it was basically word of mouth. And I'll be honest, when I first started, I gave away a lot, a lot for me, it was a lot because I wasn't growing very much, but I gave away for free, but I was very strategic on who I gave it to. I gave it to the people that talked to everyone in the school. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have a couple of ladies that they're great ladies that they're friends with everybody and they love to talk. Yeah. So here you go, ma'am. Why don't you try this? It's free. You can have it. I'm thinking about trying to sell it. Yeah. And it it worked like a charm. Uh, huh. The next the next week, I went in. I said, "Hey, here's you some more stuff. And you know, if you like it, maybe we can set it up to where I, I bring you uh, some every week." And she goes, "That would be awesome. Huh. Uh, go down, Miss Johnson, down the down, down the hall wants to try it too." 
and within great. a month I had my 10 customers and I have a waiting list now if I can produce more that, that want it. That's great. That's awesome. I, I have uh, customers at other schools too. Huh? <laughs> so That's I, a- I told them when, I, I told them when school started, you know, my school is I'll deliver on Mondays. This school I deliver to on Wednesdays and this school I deliver to on Fridays. So huh. I deliver to three places. Really good. That's really good. And, and I'm, what I'm surprised about, you know, you, we haven't gotten there yet, but you know, you're doing a physical training thing that your friends or your customers over there in that sector weren't buying that stuff because they're, you know, trying to put good stuff in their body. So that, that's interesting. So, yeah, the, um, the biggest thing that I found is the freshness of everything people can really taste. Yep. Because I, I tell them I'm going to either pick it at night, the night before, or the morning before I go to school. I get up at 4.30, go to the gym, and then I'm usually at my farm by 6.30, and I can harvest everything before I have to be at school on by, you know, before 8. Oh, okay. So, and I don't wash anything. That's a big thing, too. And I huh. tell them, this isn't washed. You can eat it if you want to without washing it. There's nothing on it. But if it rains, it might be a little sandy or a little dirty. But if I wash it and I don't dry it properly, it completely ruins it. Oh, yeah. So huh. I just tell them, I don't wash it. Just take out what you want for dinner or lunch. Wash that. Leave everything in the bag and wash as you go. Because if it doesn't dry, it turns slimy and yep. it gets nasty. Right. And not one person's ever complained about it. Huh. And they haven't complained so, about getting a slug in it or something like that? or I. I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty um, particular. Like I check my stuff. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that I pick one leaf at a time. Oh wow! Okay. Which sounds completely absurd, and I know I can't do that forever. But I, I check my stuff pretty regularly for slugs and aphids on the back of my mm-hmm. you know, kale or spinach. Mm. And no, I've never had any. Actually, I had a lady find a spider one time. No. Oh. <laughs> But she, she didn't. She didn't freak out or anything. But she didn't I was burn. Like, hey, I'm sorry. She didn't burn the whole basket. No, no. She, she actually thought it was funny with a flamethrower. Her and not somebody that's petrified of spiders. But. Sure, sure. That's funny. <laughs> so, so, um, so you have dealt with some pests. You have hit some aphids before. You might have a slu- some slugs. What what kind of pests have you run into? What kind of blight have you aphids. run into? A- aphids. A- aphids is the only thing I've ran into. Okay. And. And that hasn't even been that bad. And it was very, very confined to about five square feet. So I said, screw it. I'm not fighting it. I pulled all of them up, threw them in my barn barrel, and burned them. Oh, wow. So was it uh, kale? Was it spinach? Red Russian kale. Yep. Okay. Yep. And you haven't had any attacks by um, Japanese beetles or anything like that, huh? No. No, I, I, I haven't at all. And if you listen to the guy from Singing Frogs Farm, they'll tell you, if your soil's really good, you won't have pest problems. Ah, yeah. I believe it. So I'm going to chalk it up to that. That's another reason why I don't want to till and screw my soil up is mm-hmm. because I don't have pest problems. Yeah. And I think that's... I'll keep it that way. I think his name is... Is it Kaiser? Rob? Paul Kaiser? Yes. Your, yeah, Paul Kaiser. Yeah, yeah. And his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Paul and Elizabeth, Elizabeth I think. So, Yes. Paul and Elizabeth Kaiser from Singing Frogs Farm. Yeah, yeah. They've got some cool stuff going on out there. So Yeah. And I can also, um, real quick about the pest, I have a tremendous amount of beneficials. Explain. Uh, insects. Oh, I, I yeah. Have, I have a ton of ladybugs. I have a ton of hummingbirds. 
I have a ton of wasp. Um, like I have my, when you walk out of my farm, you just see an incredible amount of flying insects, which okay. eat all of my, uh, eat all of my pest problems. That's great. God, that's really great. <laughs> which is one reason why I want to put in some hedgerows. Because yep. now that I cleared out basically 13,000 square feet, I know I screwed up some of their habitat. Mm, so mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get it put back in this fall. So in the spring, I'm good to go. And hopefully they don't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been dealing this week. I discovered a ton of slugs and uh, just the other day. And, uh, you know, I took over these garden beds that were in place. So, you know, you're kind of scrambling a little bit, little bit. And, um, yeah, if you got good soil, and I noticed this when I had my older garden and I was working it for three or four years, you know, I had slugs real bad the first couple of years, but then it started to fix itself as I got better soil and, and took care of weeds and other issues that were bringing that stuff in. So, yeah, that's that's great. That's true. Very good. Um, sounds like you got worm casings at home, so you must have big worm bins, or what you got going on for those? <laughs> Yeah, I have, um, I've got about four, I don't, you know, I can't tell you how big they are. They're not really big. Um, uh-huh. My old school, well, the school that I'm at now, we built a brand new school two years ago. So when we moved from the old school into the new school before the old school was torn down, we were getting rid of all kinds of stuff that had been stuck in closets and everything. So I just five, got four or five, I think I have five, five of these, uh, they're probably... 18 inches by 18 inches by two feet deep tall yep and uh, i had one already are they, and are they bins really well. or are they bins or something or are they they're just uh tubs bo- bo- plastic boxes like oh okay buy at walmart sure and i drilled drilled some holes in them for oxygen put down uh peat moss in the bottom of it with shredded paper that i got from school uh-huh and wetted it down with us with the water hose just to dampen everything and ordered 250 worms from uh, amazon and dumped them in there and then i juice uh so i throw my pulp in there mm. and i mean it, it i juice three times a week so i just dump the pulp in there they eat it and do their business and i'll reap the rewards oh yeah that sounds really good <laughs> that's something like, that i haven't really done a lot with yet but uh but i know that those worm casings are just awesome they they just produce like crazy yeah they, they and they're so easy yeah um the only the only thing you have to do well in minnesota you're going to keep them in your house yeah i keep yeah. mine in my garage yeah but i mean I, I can't think of a simpler simpler thing you could do that would give you the benefits that that worm castings do yep now, do you uh, do you make a, a, a worm casting tea? Like I know some people dump yeah. that into water and mix it all up, and then you just you know let that yeah, steep I've seen for that. a bit. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've never done it. Okay. Um, what I what I like to do with worm castings is when I go to transplant, I put it in my high produce like my high nutrient suckers out of the ground, like peppers and tomatoes. So that's the only thing I really use worm castings on is mainly summer stuff because it just sucks so much nutri- yeah. nutrients out of the ground yep i'll dig my hole to transplant and i'll dig it pretty big and i'll put a half a cup a half a solo cup of worm castings in mm-hmm. every hole mm-hmm. yeah. and then cover it up and and i'm good to go and that's it cool 
yeah, I kind of do that with uh, used coffee grounds. You know, I'll do that, throw a little bit of that, throw some um, crush up eggs real fine uh, yep. in a coffee grinder and, and then uh, throw a couple aspirin in and then drop my uh, tomato transplants in like that. So I've had pretty good luck. Yep. They, they grow real nice. <laughs> but I would. Yeah, I still say that's I still say that's one of my sweet banana peppers are still kicking it and doing so well after. Uh-huh. God, what are they doing around six months now? Yeah. Is because I put worm castings in the bottom of them. Yeah, I got to get some of those. <clears throat> hey, Joel, I'm going to get worms. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to say, what are you bringing those this in the house? Texas is making you do it. Oh, you can't do anything to me. I'm no, it's ideas. 3, miles away. <laughs> it's ideas I've had. I'm just going to talk very quietly about that so she doesn't hear. So, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I think she's worried that I'm going to start a. I'm going to start tilling up the backyard. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've I've interviewed a few uh, urban gardeners, and and uh, it is exciting to to hear it. I mean, it's hard work, I'm sure. Would you agree? Um, it's physical. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's physical. Um, now, when I'm 60, I'm quite sure I'll tell you, yes, it's yeah. extremely hard work. Right. But man, there's nothing other than maybe the gym. There's nothing I would rather do than maybe hang out with my kids than than go to the farm. Yeah. Good. Real and, good. and work. I mean, my, my dad, he's 65 now, 66, and he can outwork me. Oh, wow. Ten-hour days, sun up to sun, seven days a week, and he can outwork me. Oh, wow. And I think, I, and I think I'm a hard worker. Huh. So I compare hard work to what he's done his whole life, and what I do on the farm is nothing compared to what he's done his whole life. Yeah. Family. So, and I enjoy it. Like yeah. I, I enjoy it. So I don't consider it work. Yeah. I know. I lose hours out there too, messing around and doing stuff and planting stuff and pulling stuff. Yeah, I know. I get it. I totally get it. So, um, you, you talked about transplants. Are you, um, do you have like growing racks at your house to start seedlings to keep that conveyor belt going? <laughs> no, no, I wish I did. Okay. I wish I did. Mm. Let, let me preface this little question with, one thing when i started my farm um i didn't even tell my wife i was gonna buy the land oh, oh. i just bought it oh. um, how'd that go uh, how was that conversation at dinner oh, <laughs> it was it wasn't very good hey honey because, uh yeah i bought yeah. this property pass the tomatoes please <laughs> yeah I, I basically walked in and told her and she's like what are you gonna do i was like i'm gonna farm it and like if you can imagine the worst eye roll you've ever seen in your life I've, that got, was my wife. I've gotten that eye roll before, I think. Yeah. And I, and I started talking, and nothing like bores her to death more than me talking about gardening oh, and farming. Sounds like our wives like, can get together. To I know. I know. I know. So, after about three minutes of me talking, she's like, I don't care. Just, you're not spending our money to do this. Mm hmm. And I was like, okay, I need $400. Yep. And she goes, for what? I was like, honey, I just, I have to buy like a few things. Yep. And she goes, fine, <laughs> fine. But that's it. That's all. That's it. So literally everything other than landscape fabric that I bought mm-hmm. and like literally a shovel, a rake, a fork, a pitchfork. I mean, literally other than the main necessities, the only thing I've bought is from the money that I've made. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like renting, renting the tractor cost me $480 mm-hmm. and I had to save up 
baskets, you know, save up my money from selling baskets sure. in order to rent that tractor. But but that's how it should be. I mean, the money you make should go into the business to make it go. So uh, yeah, well, most people get more than four hundred dollars to start a business with. Yeah, that's true. That, that's true. <laughs> that's some uh, that's some awesome <laughs> seed money right there. So yeah. So to answer your question about the 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 uh, <laughs> transplants, I I do the hundred and twenty eight um count plugs uh-huh seed trays yep and i sit in my living room floor every sunday night and watch fear of the walking dead and one by one plant them and then water them in leave them on my dining room table until they sprout mm-hmm. you know until they until they break the ground which is three to four days yep and then <clears throat> i put them in a tray that holds water so they 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 wick the water up yep and I put them in my driveway. Ah, uh, yeah, that's smart. And okay, that that way because my driveway gets sun mm-hmm. literally from the time it comes up until about an hour before it goes down. Gotcha. So they gets pl- plenty of sun. Only thing I have to do is make sure I keep water in that tray, or else it dries out. Yep. Yep. You know, and they die. Yeah. Really fast, but I mean, it doesn't sound very pretty, and it's really not. But I've transplanted probably five hundred. Silent over transplants doing that. Mm-hmm. And it, it works really well. Plenty of sun. I put it right by my car. So, you know, I pretty much trip on it in the morning. So it reminds me to, to water it before I leave if I need to. <laughs> That's good. So That's it's simple. The beauty of it is the simplicity, right? And uh, you're yeah. not, you don't have grow lights going and burning up no, money, you know, and electricity bills doing that. And, and yeah, that works. It, it works. I don't have money. Like, I don't have the money to spend on it, nor do I have the the, the room to put grow lots with yep. three kids and a 2,000-square-foot house. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. What kind of soil are you using? Like a like a pro mix or something like that? Or you probably have the worm castings and I, mix? No, I don't I don't waste the worm castings on the seed. Um, okay. I don't know if this is true, but I was told, I heard a long time ago, that the seed has every all the yeah, energy it needs. that's true. Yes, to start out, yep. so It'd literally, mine's rich. like, mm-hmm. do what? It'd be too rich to throw that in there. Yeah, I get it. Yep. Yeah, or just a waste. Yep. So I do fifty percent peat moss, okay, or um, coconut core, mm-hmm. or and then I do like half of that, and then I'll buy, you know, whatever potting mix is on sale at Lowe's at the time. Yep. Yep. Okay. And, and then just mix the two together, and maybe. Some more some vermiculite or perlite on top. Yep, sounds and familiar. That's it. Yep, yeah. The one problem I, I I was doing a little I was testing soils earlier this year, and uh, the one problem I had with core is you know you're saturating that stuff, and then it like stays wet and it won't wick real well. So you have you have to mix it with something because it's just not going to yeah. do what it's going to do. It's going to turn into a stinking pile of mess. So and it won't grow real good. So yeah. yep, a lesson learned for me. It was my first attempt with core so yeah interesting yeah cool i get it this is good and uh yeah my wife um we've talked about stuff before and and with my gardens they have to look good and then you know it's going to get to the point where this like this podcast it'll be if there's any money made it'll be paying for itself like the website and all that stuff so yeah totally get it (laughs) yeah yeah that's uh that's the way it goes but and my wife really didn't believe me until that I, you know, I was actually going to make money doing this uh-huh. until I came home with, and I did it on purpose. I held like 
two weeks worth of baskets, uh-huh. which at the time was maybe when I first started like $240. I maybe sold like 12 baskets over two or three weeks. Sure. And I walked in and I just laid down 12 twenties on the bar. She goes, where'd you get that? And I said, that's from the last two weeks of selling baskets. Nice. And she goes, what baskets are you selling? <laughs> and I said, from the farm, honey. She goes, oh, you oh, really? Yeah. You, so you're really doing this? There you're really you go. selling? <laughs> that's great, man. That's great. Making some money with it. That's good. You're still there? Hello? There you go. There we are. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess I hit a spot that didn't agree with the signal too well. No, no, that's okay. No worries. No worries. So, <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad. Uh, that's always a great moment when you can do that. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's fantastic. You know, and say, hey, this is this is actually working. You know, it's exciting. <clears throat> Yeah, and I, I've I've told her you know how much money Curtis Stone makes and Jay yeah. Portier and and while I still don't think she is a hundred percent into me doing this, she doesn't tell me she doesn't give me crap about it. She doesn't make you know she doesn't make fun of it. She doesn't um, you know she's not negative about it. And that's all I've ever asked is yeah, just don't be negative. Sure, absolutely. Like, and she's not you know I told her last night hey I need to go to the farm. I haven't been able to do anything the last three days. And she's like, well, just buy me a bottle of wine and you can go. <laughs> so <laughs> I went and bought her a favorite wine at Kroger and said, here you go. I'm going to the farm. There you go. There you go. And you're probably dead tired, a little tired this morning, but you got her done. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So as you've been doing this for a year and a half now, I mean, what, is a, what are the most critical lessons you learned from doing it, from launching this business, from doing the farm? Uh, there's a lot to that, of course. Um, what kind of advice would you, what kind of lessons would you, or advice would you give to people who want to start something like this? Um, just like what we said at the very beginning, just start. Yep. Um, I would tell people for the first season, do your do your normal garden that you want to grow the first season and just plant if you plant five squash plants and that feeds your family grow three more and feed one other person mm. like sell one basket a week to somebody or two baskets a week to somebody and then because growing a summer garden is fun and it's easy it's the transit when you turn into a business though it the transition period is the learning is the big learning curve mm-hmm. like when you go from from summer to fall, all your summer stuff's going to die. Well, in Texas, I'm speaking for Texas. Yep. All your summer stuff's going to die pretty much in August because it's 100 degrees every single day. You you can't keep that stuff watered that has the that has the shallow root system. Yeah. You can't keep it watered. I don't care what you do. So I told myself, and this is one of the biggest lessons I learned, was I'm not screwing with trying to grow anything in August. You know, Curtis talks about having time away from the farm and, and you know, to re- rejuvenate yourself and stuff. Well, August is going to be my time. Gotcha. I'll still work at the farm, but I'm not going to stress over, did I get this planted on this day and I have to harvest this and I have to deliver to customers and, and this. My August is going to be to clean everything up and get ready to plant for the fall mm-hmm. and then... You know, go go by the 15-day forecast at the end of August. If it's looking like it's only going to be in the low 90s at the end of August into September, I'll start planting right then. Gotcha. If it's 102 for the next 15 days, 
at the end of August, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to screw with planting because mm. it's a pointless to even try. So that transition from season to season and just understanding what you have to plant and when you have to plant, because everyone thinks fall, Oh, I want to plant spinach. Well, spinach isn't going to grow. Isn't going to germinate and grow and be any good when it's still 93 outside, even though it's, the middle of September and right. technically getting into fall. Right. Yep. Which that would, that was the hardest learning curve for me. I bet I wasted, I know I wasted $50 worth of Salanova seed this, this last month trying to get it to germinate and grow. And it will grow if it's already established in the ground, but you're not going to transplant it and it's going to grow when it's 105 outside. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That, that is even for a backyard gardener who's trying to develop those kind of skills like myself, getting that transition idea concept down, you know, um, I'm just, you know, up here, I think you got to plant stuff. If you want stuff by first frost, which is October 10th, right around the corner, potentially, you know, you got to get in there mid, mid August, you know, and be putting stuff down. Cause then you've, you're t- just running out of time, you know, and uh, right. I was late, and that's been the problem is I've been late. <clears throat> so that's something that's hard to it's hard to judge, and you got to set time aside to do it, and especially if it's your business, you got to make sure you have the right the time set aside to do it. Right, and it's not something you can like you can't listen to Curtis and JM and and because their seasons are so different. Oh yeah, I mean the 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 the, the speed that the cold comes from them is way different for me in Texas. Like I may not even get a freeze this year, mm-hmm. so. It's just, and you can't learn it. You just, like, you can't read it or listen to somebody. You have to experience and you have to do it. And and then the next year, you know, you know, okay, this is what happened last year. So I'm going to do it this way. And then this year, you know, the next year, when you learn from last year, it may be completely different. But again, you're going to learn. Yep. So anybody that's thinking about doing it full time, do it for a couple of years. Like, like, think of it as a business. But do it on a small scale so when it doesn't work, and when I'm going to say when because it's probably not going to work the first time you do it. Right. Um, you don't lose, you know, you're not counting on the money. Right. So do it for four people. Try to make, you know, five people. Try to make $100 a week and just tell those people, hey, I'm new to this. And if you'll stick with me, you know, I'll keep the price the same for you for the next 20 years mm. if you'll just stick with me right now. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning and trying to figure stuff out. And luckily, all of my customers understand that. And they're really cool about it. And, you know, they message me, hey, do I have anything this week? And I'm like, because I told them the first week of October I should have everything. And it looks like it's going to be the second or third week of October. Sure, sure. So that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give is is just to start very small and, and go from there. And then I guess the, the other biggest piece of advice is to is to enjoy it because if you're doing it to make a lot of money you're not you're not going to do it you're like you're not going to make a ton of money for a long time right i think i think the guys that we've talked about have done it long enough now they've got it down to perfection and they understand how to do it but it takes a long time to get to that point right to right. where you've got your machine rolling like the guys do Right, and they know when to plan it. They know they've got their customer base. Um, they know what the demand is. You know, they've got a lot of that figured out. And in Curtis's, Curtis's, um, in his world, I mean, he put up that greenhouse, 
you know, he's so he's starting to go around year, year round in in his yeah. operation up there, which is kind of cool. How about for you? Are you thinking about a greenhouse or anything like that someday in the future? Or you probably Actually, you probably have to get zoning and all that kind of stuff for approval and all that, no, right? No, no, where, where I'm at, buddy, they don't even know I exist. <laughs> and keep it that way. <laughs> I mean, literally, I've had a this, and I don't I don't mean to sound crude when I say this. The only people that know where my farm is. And again, this sounds really crude, but I'm just going to say it, are the hookers. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because my driveway is blocked. Like, there's tons of trees. I mean, like, people don't know this place is back there. Oh. And I've driven up a couple of times with, you know, a guy and a, and a chick in the back seat. And I'm like, hey, this is my property. Oh, yeah. Like, like get off my driveway, go someplace else. And, you know, I've, I've called the cops. And so they patrol a little bit more. And, I mean, that's how much nobody knows where this is i mean wow prostitutes go down there to do their job and huh. nobody even knows it so no i don't have to get zoning or like anything for that the only thing that i tried to do was get water and they told me it's cost it cost me twelve thousand dollars oh yeah because you'll have to push it from somewhere you know does the yeah. church have a well or do they have are they connected to the city you, you i can't drive they said i'd have to go like 600 feet yeah i called a well company yeah and they said are you on the east side or west side of 35 uh, i said which interstate 35 mm-hmm. and i said uh west side and he laughed he goes at 600 feet yep Yep. I said, you've got to be kidding me. My dad's well an hour away is 80 feet. And he laughed. He goes, if you go a quarter of a mile west, uh, east, I can get you for less than 100 feet. Wow. But for some reason at 30, at Interstate 35, the well, the, the, the water's non-existent. Hmm. So I was just like, well, really forget deep. that idea. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I'll just stick with the church. And I've got some 275-gallon uh, uh, rain uh-huh. bar- water totes. And um, I fill those up off of a couple of sheds I've built. So I get some fresh rainwater, too. I use the water for the church when I have to. But if I'm doing, like, drip irrigation or something, I use some of the water totes because I put the water totes about five feet off the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So get enough head to do got that. A li- yep. I got a little water pressure. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I've been playing with a uh, rain barrel here, and, and I've noticed, you know, it's – the pressure isn't that great. Got to get it higher off the ground or put a pump on it to push it, you know, and that's right, just in a right. small yard. So I can imagine, you know, in a bigger property and trying to move water from that tank to your, your beds, you got to really get it up there. So, <laughs> yeah. but to answer your question about the, about the greenhouse, the greenhouse yeah. Um, I won't ever, I, I don't think I'll ever have a greenhouse. I'll do a high tunnel. Okay. Yep. Um, from Johnny's farms. Um, yep. with the, in fact, I've actually been looking at the, the pole bender, that mm-hmm. you can buy and mount on the back of your pickup and and the plastic and if I can sell enough in month of October and November I'm probably gonna buy enough to do to do uh, two six foot wide tunnels fifty feet long. Hmm. Cool. Just so I'll have Salanova in case you know we get a crazy bad freeze or something. I can still sell my lettuce and you know I'll have kale. You know I can I can mix and match enough salad mix together. To where I can make a little income in case we get a crazy hard freeze or something. Yeah, very cool. Nice. Um, so, and that's what your, I mean, future plans for now. I mean, you've you've been looking at trying to track down owners around you. Are you thinking to add to it someday, or are you just gonna get this down to a science and then maybe someday down the road? If the opportunity comes, I'll I'll definitely buy more uh, property uh, if I can. If I can find it, I'll, I'll be honest. I paid seventy five hundred dollars for this piece of half acre. Oh wow! Um, 
it's six miles from downtown Dallas. Literally, you can see the skyline from my place, but it's zoned non-residential. If they ever zone it residential, I'll never buy another piece because there'll be fifty thousand dollar lots. Yeah, yeah. But I'm hoping I can buy one more. If I don't, I'm not going to stress about it because I think I can make all the money you know I I would want to make off of this little half acre, hmm. especially by myself. I, I don't ever want to hire anybody unless it's like a college kid that wants to yep. do this full time and wants to learn from me for a year Then I would probably hire him and, you know, help him out and try to get him started doing the same thing. But I'll probably stick with this half acre. Yeah. Yeah. Once you throw employees into it, it gets sticky with laws and payroll tax and insurance and ugh, disability yeah, and all that jazz. Yep. No, I, we know from running a little small business here, we know <laughs> yep. how that goes. So yeah, totally get it. Wow. Cool. Awesome. Um, so do you have a couple, you must have a couple sheds on the property then to store materials and tools and that kind of stuff. I'm assuming. Yeah, I have a, I have my main shed and it's funny because when I got there, the guy who owned it before me had started building a shed on top of a boat, old boat trailer. So it was on wheels. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, this guy, he was a straight hippie, oh. and I'm pretty sure he was going to try to homestead it, like uh-huh. live off-grid, Sure, because he it was a pretty messed up like piece of property, just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he had ADD, because he never finished anything, there was like mm. little projects started here and there, so I just went ahead and took his, uh, took that, that little trailer with the shed, all it had was the walls up, it didn't have a roof or anything, so me and my dad just finished finish out the shed, put a roof on it, put a metal roof, uh, that corrugated sheet iron on top of it. Yep. Yep. And, and it's waterproof. Um, you know, I can keep all my tools in there. I do a little bit of my packing. I've got a shelf where I can pack all my, you know, my baskets on a certain day, if it's rainy or if too hot or whatever. Sure. I can, I can do it there. I keep a cooler there. So during the summer, if I'm going to harvest in the morning and I'm going to be there a few hours, I always buy, stop and buy a bag of ice. Sure fill up the cooler throw everything in ziploc you know big bags or something and put it in the cooler so stuff stays cool and you know it, it works like i said it's not pretty but it's simple and efficient yeah well and and it's cheap L- low cost <laughs> very yeah low cost low maintenance yeah perfect for uh for getting it done and and making a little money and you know and there's no power obviously no power on site right no, um, I'm I'm looking. I will get a you know a little solar system. Oh, okay. Set up probably in the fall. Um, I'm I, I wish I understood electricity. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. it's like Chinese to me when you start talking amps, volts, you know, all that kind of stuff. But luckily, my dad can do everything, so I'm going to uh, ask for his assistance setting that up. But I just need something to, you know, just something with some electricity. So if I need to run a you know a little one-tenth horsepower water pump to get mm-hmm. a little bit more water pressure for something or charge some tools or if i find maybe a little little uh what do you call them refrigerator with yep. the sliding door on it that yep. you buy like protein shakes out of and stuff yeah, yeah. a little cooler that i can hook up to that can run four or five hours while i work i can keep my salad mixes and stuff cool while i work that would you know just little stuff like that nothing yeah. major yeah i know um some of the guys uh, that I've talked to, Greg Burns and and uh, Drew Sample out out in Ohio, yeah, they've rigged yep. up a uh, cool bot on um, on a, a trailer, and um, I don't know how they they must have a little generator or battery power or something, but they yep. keep the air conditioner working that way. 
and it keeps it's a cooler on wheels you know and uh and i'm not sure how it's working now but i know they had it set when i go out to uh, when i go out there i'll ask them how that worked and and what they thought of it so there's actually a lot of uh people you know doing what i'm doing on on a smaller scale obviously a lot bigger scale than what i'm doing but Uh still half acre three quarter acre that have those yep that love it i mean they it's a one-time cost there's no maintenance fee I mean, the AC's got to last you a good five, six, seven years, and even if you have to replace it, they're a hundred bucks at Lowe's. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm definitely looking into that. Uh, the problem for me is I don't know where I would store it. Right. Store the trailer, but um, I'll I've looked into that too, and that's that's one. It's a fifty-fifty chance I do a solar panel system, or I do a store it cold uh, trailer. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> hey, you're you're making it right now with a, with a cooler and ice. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> but you know these are these are good projects too. You know to really you know once you get rocking again and things are rolling, you know and the money's coming in to to get things really. Uh, you know if you want to go those routes, you know that's cool. Yeah, I hope I look back in about ten years and laugh at myself and make fun of myself and say, remember when you were. You know, mixing salad mix and putting in a cooler full of ice. <laughs> Probably sooner than that. I, you know, yeah. a few years down the road, you know. So, very cool. That's awesome. This is where we're going to end part one of my two-part interview with Michael Bell. Part two will be in episode 25 of the Small Scale Life podcast. We'll talk about bodybuilding and what advice Michael Bell has for those of us just starting or restarting our journey towards developing a healthy lifestyle. If you're a gardener, urban farmer, or homesteader, there'll be some really important and good points about Michael's bodybuilding that translate into urban farming towards the end of the next podcast, so you'll want to listen to that one. Again, thank you, Michael Bell, for being part of the Small Scale Life Podcast. We appreciate your time. If you want to connect with Michael Bell, you can find him on Instagram, on Facebook, and the Small Scale Life Facebook group. Shh, don't tell him. I added him to that group. I'll have links in the show notes for you can find him. We have more good things happening here on Small Scale Life, including a trip to go see the Lumber Squatches and the Friendly Bee Whisper next weekend in eastern Ohio. Road trip, baby. It should be a great week. Thank you for spending time with us today on Small Scale Life. Remember to learn, do, and grow. Again, this is Tom from Small Scale Life, and we'll see you really, really soon. <laughs> ¶¶